Hello everyone I hope you are doing well we are back with another episode of Blitz Business I hope you will enjoy this podcast Hi Apeksha thank you so much pleasure to have you Hi Ashish uh, thanks for having me excited to be here Great so Apeksha please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and about your venture Yeah so I run a brand called the Gourmet Jar and uh, it's a brand of artisanal uh, condiments which include like preserves honey mustard relish sauces pasta sauces pesto all of that and everything we do is completely natural 100% preservative free chemical free made from fresh ingredients that are sourced from farmers directly and uh, everything is made with a lot of love and care and uh, we believe in uh, creating the perfect balance of flavors and uh, we also employ like 65% women in our uh, you know team so everything that you that you eat is made by women and uh, yeah that's what we believe in and uh, about me i uh, have no background in cooking i was actually doing economics from lsr and then i went on to to my mass communication and i was teaching french before i started the gourmet jar it's uh, just a passion of cooking that kind of led me here and i am uh, what you call an accidental entrepreneur you can say and yeah so this this just happened and uh, there was no plan to become an entrepreneur so what was that sort of tipping point uh, wherein you thought you know this is what i have to do or what sort of conditions or what sort of event led that to that decision for you to start a venture uh, this venture so uh, in 2009 i was living in paris with my husband and uh, he was studying there at that time and i had just started a food blog uh, you know it was a new thing and since i was on a dependent visa i had a lot of time and access to good ingredients and you know had an interest in cooking so i was doing a lot of experimenting and uh, on a holiday uh, to burgundy we happened to have a fresh banana uh, banana jam for breakfast and it was you know completely like homemade uh, completely pure and nothing like the jams that we were used to eating in india and of course banana was a very unique flavor which we've never really had over here so Uh, my husband has a big sweet tooth and he fell in love with that uh, banana jam and uh, in 2010 when we moved back to india he you know used to keep talking about that and wishing that he could get something like that over here and since i was into the food blogging scene and you know doing a lot of cooking any which way so i just thought it can't be so difficult to make a jam and i just you know did a little, little bit of googling and i uh, made my first batch and added some rum old monk to it you know for effect and then it turned out turned out really well and <laughs> slowly you know uh, fl- uh, like i started experimenting with more flavors and friends and family you know they when they saw what i'm doing they started asking for bottles and i was looking to do something in the food space at that time so i just one day thought that you know this seems to be very interesting what i'm doing something like this doesn't really exist in india you know completely artisanal natural flavors innovative as well because i was making things like banana rum jam mango alapeno preserve so i just thought you know why not kind of try to sell it and see if something is out there and i felt there's a gap in the market which exists and uh, so i just started with a facebook page and uh, for the first two and a half years it was literally a home business just run out of my kitchen and selling directly to customers on facebook and twitter wow so just with a facebook page uh, yeah you were running your kitchen through home and just yeah. serving the customers right wow wow that's amazing so how was it like you know the initial journey when you started uh gourmet jars in terms of like what was the challenges you faced uh, initial couple of years to scale up you know actually to make that uh, or in yeah. terms of acquiring customers you know what sort of challenges you sort of faced so yeah so i mean you know i started this in 2012 when it was a very different world at that time uh, you know uh, words like startup and uh, all this were not very common and 
you didn't have mm. amazon and things were not available online so easily like today so uh, even initially for me to set up my uh, you know like just to figure out the jars the caps uh, and since i didn't have any background in you know manufacturing or food or anything like that i to even get the technicalities right you know to figure out how to get a shelf life all of this kind of took me a while to figure out i had to make like umpteen trips to old delhi to you know find suppliers for jars and caps and labels and all of those things and uh, and mm-hmm. this is without like you know a lot of information available online because today of course you can go online and you'll get 100 suppliers but uh, in that time you just have to do most of it physically so that was uh, one challenge and then of course once i uh, kind of set up uh, the fa- you know the the f- production unit physically after when i moved out of my home kitchen then just dealing with the government and you know this uh figuring out all the compliances and all that was very challenging especially being so we are located in noida and uh, i think up is uh, much harder that way to you know do all this uh, compliance mm-hmm. work and and i just had to like i didn't have anybody kind of to guide me and understand what i really need to do i had to figure out things along the way even uh, since i've never really studied business or done business so it it was completely a learning on the job you know every like new challenges would come up and then i would figure out what i need to do and Uh, right from accounts to and in the beginning obviously i was doing everything you know right from taking care of the finances and accounts to the marketing to social media to you know even even deliveries at time and sourcing and all of that along with of course the production so uh, so just trying to you know get a grasp of everything and figuring out the different roles in the business and what all i need to do that just took me a while and uh, a lot of learnings of course you know over the years and uh, doing a lot of mistakes and then learning from them Uh, luckily the products were very good and you know the response from the customers was great and in the beginning a lot of i got a lot of free pr because what i was doing was very unique very innovative so uh, i you know that that part was great that i didn't have to i did of course work hard on that but it was something which i didn't have to like you know really uh, it, it was a desirable product that i was creating it wasn't like something that i had to kind of sell and you know make people like convince people to buy so that mm. was uh, that was that was a good part and of course you know just figuring out all this back end operations stuff that was uh, that was quite challenging so yeah so the product was good enough and you know you sort of it automatically sort of created that uh, uh, customer base so let's let's touch upon in terms of you know let's start with how what was your strategy in terms of getting your first initial let's say 100 customer 200 customer you know what sort of strategy you used or by trial and experimentation what sort of Uh, strategy worked for you to get your initial customer base apart from family and friends for sure i mean so i'll tell you honestly i mean it will sound a little odd but uh, i didn't really have a strategy in mind at that time and i didn't really plan anything you know like that's what i said you know it just kind of happened uh, to me and for me like uh, because i was into the food blogging space so i kind of just posted on my you know facebook and social media and then i used to have all these food blogging events at that time i would give them to you know my fellow food bloggers and all of that and i mean it, it just uh, you know and that time you know social media was very different so whatever you posted on facebook would reach everybody who's on your list right unlike today mm-hmm. when you have to promote it so so that's why like uh, people just got to know and just by word of mouth and uh, luckily i just got a lot of orders on on their own you know and then i also took part in a lot of these farmers markets and you know they were just starting out at that time so that also helped you know doing some of these physical events where people could taste the product and buy it but uh, yeah honestly i didn't have any strategy in mind when i really started out mhm very interesting yeah you know it was just social media and word of mouth that's that for help wow and so how did you sort of okay so moving on from the customer perspective to coming to the sort of the building the entire supply chain uh 
uh, how did you go about that I, I, you you mentioned uh, just now in terms of visiting old delhi couple of times uh, mm-hmm. to get different stuff so what was uh, uh, sort of your experience in building the supply chain i'm sure i mean having a robust supply chain is a very crucial aspect of it if you're delivering such quality product right yeah yeah no supply chain was definitely was very very critical and it it took me a while to really find good suppliers and you know uh, build relationships with them and and of course being a woman to get them to take you seriously i think that was one of the initial challenges because uh, since when i was starting out obviously the volumes were small you know so uh, so when you go to meet like i i would say it was a lot of hustling it was a lot of just you know i remember going to old delhi standing at this guy's shop you know for glass jars and i had to wait there for like an hour or two hours for him to actually give me attention and time you know to listen to what i have to say and uh, so it was a lot of just you know trying to meet people and trying to make them understand that yes i am starting out small and i'm doing this thing but there is scope for it to grow and you know that i you know i if you build a relationship it will be uh, if i'm building a relationship it'll be a lo- it'll be a long term one and not just something i'm doing right now so uh, of course you know there was uh, a lot of physical visits to kind of meet these people make them understand and uh, some of them were good as well i won't say that you know everybody didn't take you seriously but majority of uh, and this industry is all you know it's all men so they really don't take a younger woman seriously when you're starting out uh, so and especially when the volumes are lower but over the years you know of course initially i had to like kind of just give 100% advance to buy my stuff and because they wouldn't trust you or they wouldn't give you credit and over the years as i saw the volume growing and as i saw the business getting established obviously the, the, those things changed and you know i had more credibility and they could they could you know understand that what i'm doing is serious and there is a lot of scope for growth and and even the fruits i like, obviously initially i used to buy from the mandi and you know the local markets and slowly our mm-hmm. volumes came in then i kind of found suppliers and uh, to find suppliers i think what really helped me is a lo- lot of these uh, b2b exhibitions that happen of course now they you know after covid it's not been happening but before that you know there used to be a lot of these uh, b2b exhibitions and that really helped me uh, find a lot of suppliers so i would visit all of these on a regular basis in delhi and in bombay and make sure that you know to find uh, key suppliers over there and i also took part in a lot of them you know to kind of uh, get our brand out there and i think both of these things helped so you mentioned very interesting aspect in terms of you know the uh, procurement of food so how do you currently manage or let's say i will break the question into two parts the first being how do you currently procure your raw uh, raw ingredients and how do you make sure the quality is at par because uh, as a brand uh, you have position yourself uh, correct me if i'm wrong in terms of uh, no pesticides you know uh, uh, very good quality products which you are currently offering into the market so how do you make sure the quality aspects of the ingredients and where do you procure from yeah no that's absolutely right you know we focus a lot on the quality of the produce that we're putting in because ultimately that's what really makes the end product you know really delicious so so now our model is such that you know we have over the years reached out to a lot of uh, farmers directly and we try to get the ingredient from the source you know mostly so for example we are getting uh, fresh figs from nasik you know so you know instead of buying figs that are grown somewhere else like we we go to the area where it's grown and where it's like the quality is good we get strawberries from mahabaleshwar for example and then we get our malta from uttarakhand you know which comes only in the season of november december so so those are the kind of thing that we get mustard seeds from rajasthan so we just we've kind of identified the ingredients that we need to buy and which regions they are you know available in and where the quality is best and then we've tied up with a lot of farmers and aggregators directly so that we don't have to really rely on the mandi as such you know so we get our produce directly from there and because it's coming in season for example even strawberries we get our strawberries in season and then we 
kind of prep them and then we freeze them for the off season same thing we do with our mangoes in malta you know so we we get the produce in the peak season from the best locations with the best quality and then we keep it for the off season so that's how we are able to control it and we also only stick to one region or one farmer you know we don't change our vendors again and again so when we are mm. sticking to the same vendor and we obviously they understand our requirement now so they are able to give us a consistent quality and supply oh that's great that's great so it's it's a lot of work i assume procuring from all different parts of india yeah i mean literally we get we get it from all over like our naga chili comes from you know the northeast we get like our uh, we're doing a new product with kanthari chili which comes from kerala and of course you know we have like our, our red capsicums they come from bangalore and karnataka region so literally we have uh, you know ingredients coming from all over the country <laughs> Wow! Wow! Uh, sounds very fascinating. Uh, so, how how do you currently, Apisha, in terms of uh, position your brand? Uh, looking at the current market, you, you know the the model which you definitely were ahead in time when you started out, mm. the farm to fork model, or currently as you are saying on your website, farm to jar model. Right. So, how do you currently position yourself when the market is sort of looking little bit crowded now? There are many brands coming in mm. into. the uh, picture uh, for providing such product or services in some in in this model of farm to fork or farm to jar right. different different categories of products are coming in so how are you positioning yourself or what sort of new things you plan to do to sort of uh, distinguish distinguish yourself uh, position yourself right yeah you're absolutely right you know there are uh, there are lots of uh, new brands coming up and over the last few years that have come up and actually it's a great thing that you know we have quality brands coming up in india now and uh, yeah it, it it is getting crowded out there but i think Uh, what we have really done well is that we have kind of created because of being like a first mover in the space i would say so we've kind of created a, a image for our brand and you know it's kind of uh, imprinted in the consumer's mind especially with our branding and packaging which is something that people kind of relate to our brand and of course apart from so our positioning as such is so we are not like super premium we are not unaffordable but at the same time we are not mass and we are not like you know uh, like run of the mill kind of brand so it's kind of affordable luxury you can say you know it's it's a premium product but it's something that you can afford it's not like outrageously you know expensive so kind of we are like we are not the ferrari but we are not the maruti you know we are like a bmw <laughs> maybe you know something in the middle it's <laughs> a good analogy <laughs> yeah yeah and and of course you know our our usp is that you know whatever we make will be pure it will be made with the best ingredients and we want to deliver on the taste every time ultimately you know with food when somebody tastes the product they have to kind of be happy and you know it should kind of make them uh, take them to a happy place and and like they should feel good about eating it right and at the same time not feel guilty that i'm having something which is unhealthy or which is uh, you know not good for me in a way so so that is what we aim to do you know we are using real ingredients to make real food and make it really 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 good you know so that because ultimately you want to enjoy the taste of what you're eating that's what really matters so So yeah, so our our positioning is that you know we everything that we do is is good ingredients, real ingredients, best taste and quality possible, and consistency. You know, batch after batch, jar after jar, will give you the same taste and uh, not compromise on on what we're putting into it. Wow. Wow, that's great. That's great. So, in terms of uh, uh, if I ask from a consumer perspective, right, uh, I'm seeing a lot of brands coming in uh, with these exciting products like yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, where where do you see the current market sort of heading towards with so many options available, uh, with all the different brands uh, looking for attention of the consumer with all these fascinating products? Where do you see market heading? towards i mean it's it's a little like 5 years 10 years down the road what do you see consolidation happening or how for a particular consumer you know he has now so much 
choices right yeah, more right. choices are coming day in day out you know there are different different sort of brands coming in so mm-hmm. what do you see from an industry perspective this segment uh, moving forward how yeah. does it look like well, i think i think consolidation will happen but not that soon maybe it'll take a while because i think in india we are still at a very early stage and i feel that you know there's a, a lot of scope still for uh, many more brands and you know i mean like right now also if you look at the penetration you know that's the thing that we ha- we do have a lot of good exciting brands but we don't have uh, the channels available you know to sell them like we only have a limited number of uh, food stores like food hall or modern bazaar you know and that also in only the major cities so i think in terms of market penetration is a long way to go and for us to reach all all corners of the country and that's why online really helps because you can reach where you don't have physical stores so uh, and i think that still you know there are there are brands coming up but uh, again the penetration of those brands is not that high so it will take a while before people will actually kind of that if, you know most of the consumers will have access to all these brands uh, still a lot of them do not have access to to lots of these new brands and uh, there's still there's still scope for a lot more you know i feel and uh, the consumer is changing for sure and their mindset is changing the lifestyle is changing and i think that's what's helping brands because people are switching right especially after covid everybody wants to switch to a healthier lifestyle they, they are uh, more aware of what they putting into their bodies they are reading labels they are reading ingredients they want to understand them where they are coming from so that whole mindset is changing and it's not just the upper class or not just the elite which is doing this even the uh, regular middle class everybody is becoming more conscious so and that shift is happening and i think it's a great thing that people are switching from say the mass brand or imported brands you know and earlier there was this perception that imported is better and you know they people mm. were willing to pay a premium for imported brands but now people True. i mean that that awareness that realization that indian brands can be of high quality and can command a premium as well that is that's happening slowly and there's still a while to go before actually people will a large majority of people will switch to these indian brands so so i think a consolidation will happen but over a, i think a, like maybe more than 10 years down the line not right now i feel the brands are very new and there's a lot a uh, lot of lot for every brand to do in a way and to establish themselves and reach a lot more consumers mm-hmm. so definitely there is a lot of uh, still depth that exactly. needs to be captured a uh, lot of penetration needs to be done in terms of the market is definitely big right. uh, so so you mentioned in terms of channels right uh, for example like uh, you are doing sales through online and through retail so in terms of i want to ask you in terms of since you manage all the different aspects of running the business so in terms of unit economics what makes sense as a business owner to sell a particular product online or like through offline channel through like food hall uh, these retail outlets i mean what works the best uh, from a business perspective uh, i think sir, I, i there is no clear answer i think both the channels have their challenges and costs and uh, that's what actually we realized over the last year because uh, we're doing more online now and and you know the the challenges are different but uh, there are costs associated with both of them for example in retail you need to have a lot of money up front in a way because there's a lot of listing fees that you have to pay if, for every sku that you get into a physical store like food hall or modern bazaar or nature's basket you have to pay a listing fees and that that runs quite high when you have multiple sku so so that is there and then to get the right visibility to get the right you know space on on the shelf all of that costs a lot of money and you have to obviously you know the the channel is like long because there's a distributor involved and then all of that takes time versus online you know where okay you can reach a customer you know directly but uh, the shipping costs are quite especially for a product like ours because we are using glass jars so it's heavy so you know the shipping cost it becomes much higher than normal and then of course you know the i think the customer acquisition cost has been going up consistently since everybody and especially this year because like last year everybody has gone online even 
major brands mm-hmm. have gone online and everybody is competing for the customer's attention and ultimately that customer base is limited and you know we're all mm-hmm. vying for that uh, that slice of the pie in a way so uh, so i think the cost of the customer acquisition has gone up a lot in our case the shipping cost is very high so ultimately i think our profit margin on both channels ends up being almost almost similar in a way uh but of course you know unit economics has to work i think both can work depending on what your strategy is and like for example for us now uh in the retail channels we've been there for a while and we don't have a lot of new listings to do so obviously you know we don't have that additional cost that goes in uh initially to to list product so uh, while online of course we are you know we need to spend a lot more so i think it kind of it depends on what you are really trying to achieve and which consumer you're targeting but both both have their challenges and costs and uh, i don't think there's any right answer <laughs> as such so you mentioned apex in terms of very interesting point uh, you your products are in glass jars right and yes. the logistics sort of increase the cost gets increased due to the weight yes. any particular reason you are sticking with glass jars instead of delivering the product in a plastic jar per se or any particular reasons for that I mean, of course, you know the the biggest reason is you know we are do, we are producing gourmet condiments. The name is the gourmet jar, and and plastic is not premium. Of course, we want you know and and plastic is harmful for the environment. We are trying to reduce plastic as much as possible. Everybody is so so yeah. You know the uh, the major reason is we don't want to do plastic because I think glass is premium. It goes with our brand and what we are trying to do as a brand. If you are using natural products, if you are doing preservative free and all that, then it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't connect to do plastic. You know, for me. and uh, then of course is a more technical reason as well that you know we are able to achieve a certain shelf life in glass jars which we cannot do with plastic because our products are natural and preservative free oh really so i would love to know about more so in terms of if you're not putting any preservatives versus uh, in a plastic in a glass jar so there is a difference in terms of the shelf life yeah yeah so basically because we are doing hot filling and you know our products are filled over 85 degrees and uh, i mean obviously we cannot fill in plastic at that temperature because it won't stay so so we are with the the we can only use glass jars for the way our products are because you know otherwise if we were to use plastic then we'll have to cool the products down and then fill them in them and then we will not get mm-hmm. the shelf life that we do have currently mm-hmm. so what is the current shelf life of your product versus let's say a mass produced product like uh, uh amaruti you know something on so, that category like yeah so i mean i would say the mass produced uh, will be like maybe 2 to 3 years while ours is about 1 year so 8 to 12 months is what we have for different categories depending on you know what we're talking about and uh, we also have like two uh, like pestos which are cold chain products which have only a one month shelf life so it really it varies in a way but uh, definitely it's like i would say less than half of the shelf life which normal mass produced brand would have mhm interesting interesting uh, so the good thing is that we don't have it's not like something which will expire very quickly so we are able to at least transport it across the country and it can sit on the shelf for some time you know we uh, so that's one benefit that we have with our products i mean definitely yes i think 8 to 12 months is a sufficient amount of yeah. uh, time from a consumer perspective also right it's not yeah. you have to immediately consume the product yeah yeah So, so Apeksha, in terms of, uh, uh, I think approximately it has been like eight, nine years. You have been in the business approximately eight years. Yeah. yeah. So, what, what has been your plans in terms of fundraising? So, have you raised any funds as of now, or do you plan to raise funds anytime soon? Uh, yeah. So we we raised a seed round of funding in two thousand sixteen, and this was about like yeah four years back, and. Uh, 
so i mean i again i didn't have any plans to raise funding at that time and i just happened to be taking part in this uh, exhibition and there was this you know angel investor that saw me there and they were like you know why don't you come and pitch to us and we'd like to invest and you know that's it again it just kind of happened and i would say it was a good thing because you know until then my vision was much smaller and i never really uh, understood the potential of what i'm doing and because i had this experience where somebody was willing to kind of you know uh put their money into my brand it kind of helped me realize that okay what like i i took a step back and i was like okay you know this is interesting like you know this now means that there is something interesting what i'm doing here and there's some potential and it helped me realize that you know that this can be much bigger than what i thought and uh, it also helped in the in scaling up of course you know and uh, setting up a bigger unit and then my husband also quit his job and joined me that was i think the biggest step that happened after that uh, fundraising uh because that kind of gave us this, i mean he was always very involved in this and always supportive of it but it was too risky for him to quit his job and join me at that time but after the seed round of funding we we thought okay now it's time to take that risk and let's just go all in and you know uh, his coming on uh, definitely helped me scale it and you know make the business much more stable and uh, prominent in a way Mm-hmm. oh that's that's amazing so and and any time uh, soon you're looking to raise uh, more funds or what's the plan for uh, how do you look at expansion at the moment uh yeah so honestly you know we were looking for funding just before covid happened and after that things have kind of gone haywire and uh, you know people are not that easily parting with their money i would say now so it's been uh, i mean and and our strategy also changed our you know our whole model changed a little bit as well so right now we are not exactly i mean we are kind of hit pause on that fund fundraising bit for now but probably uh, i mean we have some plans uh, for new products and all and i think another 6 to 8 months down the line is when we'll be looking at uh, raising funds because we want to kind of just establish this baseline and and then uh, use this to do our do our fundraising oh great great that's great uh, that's absolutely great so in terms of you know uh, you mentioned uh, the sort of model sort of change the impact of covid so coming coming to sort of a next segment into our episode of podcast so what has been the impact of covid on your business you know uh, how uh, what was during the pandemic and after the lockdown everything now things are sort of moving uh, open, opening up so what has been the impact of covid on your business so uh, now honestly i would say covid has actually been a blessing in disguise for our business as such and uh, like you know not that it should have happened but it's it's been a good thing in a way and uh, so initially it was very very difficult of course you know the months of uh, like end of march to april may beginning of may because things were shut down and we couldn't produce and we could not obviously you know it was difficult to kind of manage the the fixed costs and you know to understand what what is the right direction and how should we kind of navigate this time and uh, not and of course even after we we did open in like early may but uh, then the logistics were very very challenging operational was were challenging because we didn't have full staff we could not work with the normal uh, you know the we had to implement of course a lot of new processes and then half the staff half the workers were still in their villages and then operation in terms of logistics like carriers were not functioning online orders were not being picked up and logistics were literally a nightmare everything was completely broke the supply chain was broken down across the country we were not able to get our materials our supplies on time raw materials packing materials so there was a lot of you know uh, upheaval at that time and it was uh, very challenging to deal with that and to figure out how to continue processing orders and how to continue supplying without uh, you know having everything completely uh, in place and uh, luckily the only the good thing that happened at that time was that because of covid people were cooking at home and 
everybody wanted to eat restaurant quality food at home and you know this whole gourmet home cooking trend kind of took off and and there was a much like a very high demand for our product suddenly and we actually launched pizza and pasta sauces uh, in the month of april you know in the middle of this whole lockdown and covid and uh, those like really took off like uh, like a rocket i would say and there was just so much demand for we couldn't keep up with it and because we had just launched these products and we we weren't really prepared for it and of course the supply chain was also broken so uh, but the the good thing was that because of covid people have become much more health conscious you know like i said they're reading labels they're reading ingredients they want to know what's happening and initially when i started the business i remember having to convince people you know that okay why mm-hmm. our brand is different or what is unique about it you know that our usp is that it's natural and preservative free but now uh, you know just not just not just people like you know even who those who didn't really care earlier now they are also reading labels so the transition from a mass produced brand to premium organic natural ones is happening automatically within consumers you know so so that shift really helped us because there was an increased demand and and of course because of the new portfolio that we had with these sauces and all it it really helped an uptick in our sales and now like the last 4 5 months have been really good for us in in that sense and and we've seen our uh, our retail sales go up and also the other thing that we did ha- uh, we did had to do is that you know we had to pivot because we before covid we our, our presence was mostly offline and we were relying on stores like food hall nature's basket modern bazaar all of that and uh, after covid of course you know we had to kind of just look at our online and d2c segment and that used to be like 5% before covid you know that are on our direct direct to consumer supplies and then we had to kind of quickly turn around and say that, okay now you know because people are you know ordering from home and they want to uh, like they have to be at home they have to order everything online so we had to kind of in change our strategy and uh focus much more on our online channels like amazon and on our site and now like you know over the last 3 4 5 months we've actually reached a 25% level online versus percent wow. before so you know that that kind of change had to be there now of course for us it's more of an omni omni channel strategy you know we have to for we, mm. like for us for our kind of brand like it's not we can't be 100% online or 100% offline i think we have to do like a a split between the two and a balance because ultimately our products need to be available in offline stores as well but at the same time we have to give the consumer you know the convenience of ordering it online as well true i think so, i think it's true for like most of the brands like to have both sort of strategy right. because you cannot ignore the other channel exactly. uh, completely mm-hmm. definitely and and i think the very interesting point you mentioned in terms of pasta and pizza sauce i think everyone in the lockdown now knows how to make yeah we <laughs> literally you know, we had we had people uh, customers telling us that you know i i'm just so glad that you guys are doing this and you know now it's so easy for my husband to cook or you know so easy for me to prep up a meal when when you know we are working all the time and you know i mean people are busy even though they're home but you know there's like work from home for everybody and kids are school, studying and and women you know like mothers are really stressed out because they have to handle so much more and uh, so they are like you know and they don't feel guilty because they know that what what we are uh, you know what they're using is healthy it's fresh it's not got any chemicals or preservatives so it really i mean we are very happy to hear this kind of feedback from people you know you really made the life of lives of all the mothers very easy you know and everyone happy in a family yes you know quality product here it is you can also make it by the way right yeah <laughs> that's great that's great so apeksha in terms of if i can ask what is your uh, definitely you mentioned in terms of uh, in during uh, pandemic covid times uh, pasta and pizza sauce were sort of your topmost product but overall if you look at your entire portfolio what is has been your best selling product 
so it's very hard for me to pick one product I, you know the thing is we operate in multiple categories like you know even so it's a, it's the condiment space and so we have jams and preserves we have mustard we have the pizza pasta sauces we have pesto so i would say like you know the savory does uh, uh, like a slightly i would say the savory products are slightly overtaking the sweet ones now because i think just indians consume uh, savory a lot more and uh, in terms of best sellers like so in the in the preserves category our raspberry strawberry preserve uh, our you know the banana ramdam these are our best sellers and then in the honey we have a vanilla honey which is like like people just love it like you know everybody's crazy about it and then in the savory side you know our arabiata pasta sauce uh, is one of the best sellers and then we have a basil pesto which even though it's a cold chain product and limited only to delhi and sir but it does phenomenally well as well so so yeah, i mean we have multiple products across different categories which are kind of best sellers i would say well wow, definitely i think the vanilla honey sounds very fascinating i definitely need to try that one out for mm-hmm. sure <laughs> so uh, so abhishek is it was just wonderful you know to wrap it up sort of uh, the podcast you know uh, i think we are running a little bit out of time maybe mm-hmm. so to wrap it up so abhishek what has been if i can ask you in terms of if someone is uh, looking to start mm-hmm. uh, uh in this particular space uh, sort of a farm to fork model you know launching some sort of a different fascinating product mm. if you were to start again uh the you know uh from scratch what will be your advice uh if i was to start again from scratch i think the first thing i'll do is get an accountant from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> because i think what i realized very late was that you know i mean paperwork and the numbers really really matter so Uh, for me i didn't have an accountant for the first few years and everything was just like i don't know fly i, I don't know how i was doing it but uh, but yeah so my advice would be like whenever you're starting a business even if the accountant is sitting clean for half the day but you just get one accountant from the beginning and just ensure that you know you focus a lot on the paperwork and compliances because these things have really uh, you know had by, bitten me uh, you know after in in later on and uh, Yeah so I think one thing is of course to know your numbers to know your unit economics and to ensure that whatever you're making is stable and profitable and I mean I think today a lot of people do get carried away with this whole startup thing and raising funding and you know uh, and mm. like you know uh, achieving a very high top line without focusing on bottom line I think what really because uh, I mean it depends of course on what you want but for me personally I would say that just having a solid you know baseline having a good bottom line making sure that you're making profit and you can rely on yourself and not have to completely depend on external funding that is i think very important and uh, yeah just know your numbers and if you're doing a food food business then i mean the taste matters the most you cannot compromise you cannot you know uh, i mean cost is there but evaluate your cost and don't compromise on the quality because that's what ma- and that's what keeps the customers with you you know they, that's what keeps them coming back if you start compromising on quality because of cost reasons then you will lose your customers so i think these are the few important things that you know you have to do and i think if any women are listening to this and i for them i would say that you know just uh, it's it's not easy uh, in india being a woman entrepreneur but uh, uh, but people are changing things and there are women out there who are achieving great heights and you just have to stick to your guns and make they just you know make uh, don't let men think that they can intimidate you and they can you know like just just be assertive and make them feel that you know you you mean serious business so yeah that's what i would have to say wow wow no absolutely excellent points i think uh, you mentioned in terms of uh, if you are in a food business quality is 
utmost quality and taste are very crucial and in terms of the funding also you mentioned right there are many businesses or startup which have raised huge amount of right. capital but uh, the unit economics is not to be seen around at least yeah. for yeah. foreseeable future so it becomes very important you know to have profitable business and uh, after pandemic i think every from investor perspective also people right. are looking at more profitable business yeah they're looking at profits more i mean they're looking at the bottom line much more than you know earlier now Yes, yes, absolutely. So I think uh, that's I think uh, you are absolutely in a great segment, and you have demonstrated an excellent execution. And having a profitable business is like a cherry on top, if I can say so. Yeah. So I think you have done excellent work. The only work is left on me to try some products. So that I will do that. <laughs> and thank you so much, uh, Apeksha. It was wonderful to have you, and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to hear your journey. Uh, I think it. is it is really fascinating what you have done thank you thank you so much ashish it was really good to be here thank you for listening we will be back with another episode of blitz business stay tuned